more importantly, although Meshe reprimands the Jews <coughs> and brings up every little nuance and every sin that they committed throughout the 40 years of the desert, he does it discreetly. Although they know they're getting the reprimand, although they know what they're getting and what they're hearing, everything is mentioned in a hint, rather than being openly, blatantly unloading on them exactly what the sin was. A lesson, a powerful one at that. our teacher, our master. Meishe Rabbeinu, who went, to Harsin, went up to Harsinai for 40 days and 40 nights, three times, without eating or drinking, without sleeping, beyond, beyond human feet. His physical body was totally enveloped in spirituality and Kedusha. Spoke, God, spoke to God face to face. If he would have said this Divri Musr straight to the point everybody would have moaned and cried. Everybody would have felt remorseful. Nobody would have judged. Nobody would have said how dare he say these things. Although he had such experiences, he had such people throughout the 40 years that treated him that way. They would sit in their tents and they would just spew stupidity about him. If he left early, he had a fight with his wife. If he left late, because he was planning on something that he was going to do to the Jews, there were people that constantly bickered about Moshe Rabbeinu. Just picture that. And yet he's very discreet not to hurt the feelings of anybody. Very discreet to make sure that everybody is treated properly and that everybody is understood, that everybody is given their proper honors, but yet reminded nonetheless of everything that went on. Simply because this is how a leader deals with, deal, does with his people. Moshe Rabbeinu had tremendous, tremendous pain in the fact that he was not continuing with his people into Israel. Most of it, obviously, was the fact that the pain that he was not going into Israel, to the Holy Land, he wanted to at least be buried there, but that was also not to be for the reasons. But more importantly, he didn't want to leave his flock. He was a very devoted shepherd. And ultimately, bottom line, even the worst of the worst people knew what kind of devotion and dedication he had as a shepherd. So although he could have said whatever he wanted, how he wanted to say it, he was very discreet. He didn't want to bring up the discrepancies and the shortcomings of the people blatantly. 
Just first of all, when you do so, the people feel that you still have some kind of bone to pick with them. Whereas, discreetly, saying it, almost practically brushing it under the carpet, even the Meshe Rabbeinu saw to it not to hurt people's feelings, not to destroy a person by telling him how wicked he is and how bad he is and how low he is. We need to always give the person credibility. We always need to understand the person on their past iniquities. Not understand what they did. Not even condone what they might have done. But if they show remorse, this is the concept of tshuva, if they show remorse on their past and they forge ahead with positive resolution and they forge ahead in a way showing that they've forsaken that past and have taken on a total new resolution in life, Not only we need to forgive, we need to embrace. And yes, we've had <coughs> we've had experience with the person, and the person was directly affecting you. Tanya, the person needs to be able to accept a, a, a request for forgiveness person needs to be able to accept that what the person did if they are remorseful and they feel bad and they actually do feel bad and actually tearing them and cutting them to pieces to accept it not to just move on but to embrace and to say machalach, machalach, machalach I forgive you totally and I'm willing to move on in life can I, do I have to embrace you? Do I have to have Avis Israel for you? According to Taylor, yes. But I'm sure there's a leniency for that part. If the person had enough bad blood between them, so you don't have to talk to them again, but don't talk about them and don't hurt them. Meisha Rabbeinu, throughout Chumash Devarim, does just that. There are also different mitzvahs that get added in Chumash Devarim. The preparation for going into Yisrael, and of course we find ultimately, as we said before, the blessings that Meresh Rabbeinu bestows upon the Jews, each tribe their own, to be able to continue to persevere in their lives. So the strong lesson we learn from Rishkei Shvat is how to forgive and how not to hurt and how to be sensitive to a person and to understand what a person has done in the past and some people have done and some of us have done things that are outlandish beyond 
But the pointer finger, the index finger, as it's called, is the most powerful part of the body. Worse than the tongue and worse than the the nose. And it points and it always says it's you. Nobody ever points this way. Nobody ever points themselves and said, I did. The horrific sins that I committed. And I ask for forgiveness for. It takes a very, very strong person to do such. On a personal basis, I would ask forgiveness for anyone that I ever hurt. Anyone upset? Anyone that I rocked their boats? But again, one needs to be able to control, self-control of deep down who they are and what they are and how they do it. And one needs to be able to look past and look forward and forge ahead and say, I am now a better person, a stronger person, and I can now overcome, I can now do and I can now pass. And many people today will tell you, no, that's not possible, that the, the traumas that people have been through, etc., 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 are unforgivable, unforgettable. And yet you talk to people that survived the Holocaust and listen to the atrocities that they were subjected to. Did they forgive those Nazis in Machshimam and No. Do they curse them to death? Yes. Do they say their names should be obliterated? Definitely. But do they dwell on it and say and harp on it and say, I can no longer move ahead, I can no longer do, I can no longer live? No. No. Adrava. This is their force, this is their driving force that tells them, I need to be able to persevere, I need to be able to go on, I need to be able to move on. I have a family to raise, I have people to look up to, I have people to connect to, etc., etc. And this is a lesson of Rishchei Shvat. Of how Meisha begins the Tate of, of Chumash Devarim, the fifth and the last portions of the five books of Tate. But yet, Meisha, in his own wisdom, as a public defender, as, as we said before, a true, devoted, dedicated shepherd. Moshe has his bones to pick, shall we say, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we see in the end of last week's Pasha, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, Lama Lama Why have you tortured? Why have you done such wicked things to this nation? And to this HaKadosh Baruch Hu begins our Pasha this week. Vo'eda l'Avraham el-Yitzchok v'Yakev v'Kel Shakai u'Shmi Hashem l'Nedai t'Lehem I, I revealed myself to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov in the different names. But yet, Hashem, Hashem, I did not tell them. 
Lachena Mary says, continuing, therefore I tell therefore tell to Bnei Yisrael, Ani Hashem, I am God. I will take you out of this the exile, I will take you out of all these tortures, and remember and know I am Hashem. Hashem has many different names, there are 72 names that cannot be erased. Shem Hashem, Yudke Vovke, is Chesed. Shem Alekim is Gvura. HaGadot Baruch is telling Meish Rabbeinu that although I've shown and I've revealed myself to the Avais, to the forefathers, they had not seen this level that I'm showing to you and to, you, and to the nation now to take them out of this exile. Simply speaking, on a just plain view, on just the way we look at it straight, HaKadosh Baruch is calming down Meisha. says, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't think, HaKadosh Baruch don't think, don't doubt that HaKadosh Baruch will take the Jews out. HaKadosh Baruch lets him know that now the time has arrived and he's going to fulfill that promise that he gave to the forefathers. And still in all, Shmi Hashem These are words that are response to Meshach Rabbeinu's question. Why do the Jews need to suffer in exile? And why do Jews need to ever suffer in any which way, form or fashion? What is it all about and what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu accomplishing by doing such? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers... It's not enough, it's not sufficient to tell them about the ultimate, imminent, imminent redemption, but rather explains the actual reasoning for the actual pain, tzadis that one has been subjected to. And this is what HaKadosh Baruch says to Meshe, Va'edel Abraham, Gema, showed myself, I appeared before to Abraham and the forefathers, Although I revealed myself to the forefathers and they merited the revelations of my Shekhinah, but this is all in Kale and Shakai. Different names. Very, very condensed forms, shall we say. And it's known the name Shakai is Shamarti Lailmidai. Keep his score at home, is Gemara Chagiga. Yudbezamar Aleph. I've said to the world, to my world, enough. Which tells us that Abishta gives us in the ultimate, most condensed form of godliness. And that is the revelations, that are the revelations that the forefathers merited to. However, Havaya, the name of Yudke Vavke, this I did not tell them. They did not merit such a revelation.
But now, B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish nation, are standing in merit for this great revelation of Shem Havaya. The name of Yud Kivovke. Vidaitem Kiani Hashem, Kiani Havaya. And they will know that I am Havaya, the Abish's name, Yud Kivovke. And therefore we need to work and get through with this the hardships of the exile in order to merit to this revelation itself, this tremendous revelation, which even our forefathers did not merit. How? This is what the preparation of the Golas is. This is what the preparation of our exile, our bitter exile that we go through, <coughs> the tortures and the demons that we go through, this is all a preparation so that we can ultimately merit to this great revelation. When we take a tree and we bring back a branch a little bit and we leave go, it springs, it jumps. Put something on it and it'll fly. Very cute. If you could bend the tree as far as it can go and you put something on it to launch it, it goes even further. The more you could bend it, the further it bends, the more the, the rebound, the further the object flies. And so too, ultimately, we know that anyone that has a number tattooed on their arms, they should all still live for many, many years till be as Mashiach Tzikainu. These people are worthy of giving you blessings. And we should take from them any blessings we could possibly get. Learn from them every lesson that we could possibly learn. Because these people have gone through the ultimate purification. The ultimate golos pains and tortures, physical and mental. And the fact that they're still in one piece and they're still surviving, they're still alive, needs to be merited, needs to be, they merited to that, therefore needs to be honored and needs to be respected. And this is the Golos Mitzrayim. But this Golos Mitzrayim was different. Look at where we are today. We're in Golas. We're in Golas. But we have our beach. We have our beach homes. We have our upstate homes. We have our homes. Some of us live in mansions. Some of us live in dinghy apartments. Some of us drive... <coughs> cars that drive yourself drive themselves and some of us are still turning the key in the ignition to try to get the car to start calling all different organizations help me stop my car today some of us are going to a full time job and making a very very beautiful salary 
Some of us own a business and are making even more money. And some of us are struggling. Struggling. Trying to work a job and then try to do something else in the evening and go to school as well to try to improve their situation that they'll be even better. Constant, constant battle. They always have bread to eat pretty much. Can they always pay their bills on time? Not really. They struggle. But you know what? At the end of the day, most, in the most part, have a roof over their heads of sorts with a bed. Some have to really put up with a lot of things in that, uh, uh, to be under that roof. It's not even a drop in the bucket what the Jews went through in concentration camps. Yes, we have to be subjected to certain people in the household who scream at us and yell at us and beat it, and then they try always to put us down and every. Yeah. And therefore, anybody tries to offer you an olive branch. You take it, and you try to run with it, and then all of a sudden you just burn it, and crack it off. And you move on in life, you do it again to someone else. But you're living. You're existing. The Avedas Perach in Mitzrayim, the horrific work that the Eden were going through in Mitzrayim, what they were being subjected to, the way they were being oppressed, is beyond description, although they did have, they went to Goshen, they had houses, they did have some sort of housing, they did have some kind of life. But they were going through, they went through horrific, horrific purification exile. They merited, for the most part, most of the people, those who wanted to leave, there were those who didn't want to leave. And during the plague of darkness, they all died. Even that, even that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want to humiliate, to embarrass the Jews. Wanted the Jews to go out on a high note. And therefore, saw to it that during the dying of darkness when the Egyptians couldn't move or see or hear, all these people died and got buried. Because they did not want to leave Israel, they didn't want to leave Egypt, and there was nobody staying behind. Where did they go? They left Egypt. And 49 days later, stood by the mountain stood by the mountain and merited a revelation never been repeated the revelation of Matan the revelation of the receiving of the Torah hearing God give the commandments the first two commandments they heard from God himself 
And we've spoken about what happened and how the rest was done through Moshe. This is what the purifications, the grinding that the Jews went through in Egypt for all those years, 210 years, in order to have themselves purified and brought to a level where they could where they could ultimately stand by Hasinai. This is a tremendous, tremendous thing. And yes, I have to stop to do a mitzvah. stand by Hasinai and to receive these revelations so the entire preparation of Golos the whole reasoning of the Golos was made so they could re- receive this Tera were they able to ultimately say it was worth it all. It was such a pleasure. We had such a great time. Not at all. Not at all. Or maybe yes. People that were in very, very spiritual level, people that were very high levels, people that were doing things the way they're supposed to be doing them, and took the Tata and accepted the Tata and grew with the Tata and connected to the Tata with their full heart and soul, said, Ugh, Ugh was could die every pain every pain that I got everything that I went through <coughs> to merit to be standing here Hasinai to merit to receive the Holy Tater sorry everything it was worth every second 
Not everybody had that. And not everybody has that today. Not everybody says that I had a schus, I had a merit to go through, uh, to be, uh, to do, uh, to whatever it might be. Many people look back in retrospect and feel that it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. I'd rather have, I could have, I would have, I should have. should have but here David is telling Meshach Rabbeinu what the Jews will know what the Jews will see what the Jews will be able to feel and experience by going through and by since they've been through all they've been through in Mitzrayim Revelation and the unity with the shame Havaya in this is we ultimately could almost grasp the true essence of Akadjah Baruch knowing that this does not change whatsoever and therefore things that come about from the revelation of godliness are perpetual. They don't change. As the Kashbarch who says, Ani Nisi, I am God and I did not change. God doesn't change in any which way, form, or fashions. God is God. God can appear to us or show us or give us or reveal to us certain levels, certain things. But God as God in any world, in any realm is the same God. I said once a conversation that went on in Morristown, New Jersey in Yeshiva. One of the guys was very tired. He says, ah, I need a vacation. Another Bacha said, we just learned the Maimah that we've been created in the form of God. You think God takes vacations? <laughs> and the guy laughed and said, if God took a vacation, you think you'd know it? And he's right. God doesn't need vacations. God doesn't take vacations. God constantly recreates the world on a constant basis. We can't even fathom what that means. We can't even take that into considerations. When God created the world and created something from nothing, what was the something? The earth, the trees, the water, the fish, the animals, the grass? 
the person, man, the woman, did they actually become a something? Are they an entity on their own? Are you and I an entity of our own? Of our own source, of our own strength, of our own existence? No. Most definitely not. Most definitely not. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is recreating and creating and creating us over and over and over. And if Chas V'Shalom for one second HaKadosh Baruch Hu would cease to do that, we would return to naught. We would return to what we were before the world was created. Should HaKadosh Baruch Hu take a vacation <laughs> and take a break from the world for a thousand years and then come back to the world and put it back exactly where it was when he left off, it would re- continue and we'd never know the difference. In the middle of a conversation, it could stop the world for a thousand years and could come back again and they wish they could see to it that we are doing the same thing. We're continuing the conversation without knowing that we missed a beat. This is HaKadosh Baruch we're talking about the Ebishtu, we're talking about God, we're not talking about something or someone, or an entity or a power. Every person has their personal Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, their personal going out of boundaries, their own personal boundaries of their body, of their Yitzhahara, And they need to ultimately find and delve into the true Midah. For things that are set up, established, that don't change. The true trial and tribulation and test that the person has to go through, has to ask himself and has to justify by himself, is my spirituality at an evil, at an evil, God forbid, even plane? Am I where I belong? Am I establishing? Once a person can get to that, they can achieve to the true level of serving Hashem, Avedis Hashem. And when they get to that, only then will they know that we're going out of our Mitzrayim, our personal exile, our personal goals which we have within ourselves. And this is something that we say on a constant basis in davening and we talk about the going out of our goals, our personal exiles. And we see how this was implemented in the very essence of our work, of our toil that we've been put through and we've been revealed, not so much subjected to.
So when the Pasha starts off and it says, Ve'eda l'Avram, al-Yitzchak v'Yaqiv, and Rashi says, Ve'eda to who? To the Ovis. To the forefathers. Avram Yitzchak Yaqiv, we just said, Avram Yitzchak Yaqiv, we know is the forefathers. What is he adding? First we have to understand, we have to introduce this, shall we say, with what's known already, that the work of the Ovis, of our forefathers, each one had their own way of serving God. And it was according to the Midah, their attribute of their hearts, how they were. Avram was Ava, loved Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Pasuk says Avram Oyhavai. Yitzchak was Yira, was fear. Pachad Yitzchak. And Yaakov was Rachamim and Tiferes, blend of everything. Compassion. When it comes to Avedis Hamidis. The way the midas, where a person's midas, how a person works with their midas, it's a known fact that in addition to the great milas of the midas themselves, it also brings about things that they ultimately accomplish. And therefore, the love is the root of the. 248 Ramach Mitzvah Sasei, 248 Mitzvah Sasei, the Mitzvahs that are positive Mitzvahs, and the fear, which is the root of the 365 Shasa Mitzvahs Sasei. Because the one that loves God wants to attach themselves to the Ebrister through doing Mitzvahs. The one that fears God is fearing that the sin, the Aveda, which ultimately, God forbid, will detach them from God. That's a fear in its own right. It's brought down all in Tanya. Therefore, Ashi says, Va'eda el ha'ovis. I showed myself to your fathers, and this Rashi is hinting, that even though the great Milas of Aveda, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the way they feared and loved God. The main fact is they're called Avais, forefathers. The Aveda of their Midas was put into their children. These are the Maisim Tevim, as the Razal says, tell the same Sadiqim Maisim Tevim. One of the offspring of Sadiqim is their Maisim Tevim, their good deeds. Nechash Baruch says, as Moshe refused to go, he says, "Hey, Nani, I also sayim ve'echish malefare." He says several times in the parsha, when Moshe says, "I'm," I have a speech impediment. How is Pari going to listen to me? 
But after the second time of receiving, repeating that again to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu tells him, "Reinas haticha likim lefarei ve'arin achicha yeh neviyecho at the daber." It's called shatzaveka ve'arin achicha yidaber el parei. I'm going to talk through Aaron, but not really. You will say the words. Aaron will be your translator. You're saying that you have an alsvasayim. Rashi explains that Mesha was commanded to tell Pare one thing. His mission, his mission statement in Lashna Kedish. So that Pare should hear this from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Aaron then in turn translated it to Egyptian and gave the explanations. Question is, why did Moshe need to speak? Why was it necessary for Moshe to speak and to give over the message himself if ultimately Pai didn't understand a word he was saying? And Aaron ultimately translates everything. The answer is we see in the words of Rashi Nisaticha likim lefare the words Taylor says I've given godliness to pare Rashi explains Shefet vereide lirdeise bemakes v'yisur I'm going to judge him I'm going to give him ultimately all the plagues and all the pains. Not just did Mesha have to give a message to Pare. He needed to serve as a Shefit and a Reda. He had to give the ultimate judgment, the ultimate word of the judge. So therefore he needed to talk. Because his words whether or not Pari understood them from Mesha, his words, the words of Mesha Rabbeinu, were such holiness that by his speaking, this already broke down Pari and Egypt. But Sayyid is standing in the top of the world. No slave ever escaped Mitzrayim at the time. They were a superpower, shall we say. Words are going to break them. Words, even Sadiqim can't reach such a level. Keep his score at home, the Yamada Brachis sign on the base and Megillah Vavam and base tells us that Imra Isa Rasha Shasham is a Hekisle Alt Skarabe. You can see the wicked person is going to wondering which way mock what he's going to be told. Don't mess with him. Only a Kadish Baruch Akil Yachol 
only Akash Baruch who is the Hakel Yachel can do everything can put this person in his place and to break him to destroy Mitzrayim in order to do so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave this power to Mesha and Satikha Aleikim Lefarei. You gave over godliness to Parei with a strong message. When he spoke to Parei, this was his strength. This was his godly strength. The strength of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore it had to be this different levels of conversation. The Tafkir of Mesha was to hit Parei with the Ruach Hashem that he had, with the Spirit of God that was within him. It didn't matter. Pare didn't understand the word he was saying. That wasn't the point. The opposite. The godliness came and hid him in such a way that as Mesha spoke in Lashon Kedish, those very words accepted from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. the words themselves because they came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, broke Parai but since all this said Parai had to know what do you want from me so this Aaron had to translate he translates the words in his own language, and explains to him so that the bimbo can understand what he's saying. And ultimately, give it over to Pare in a way that he should want to free the Jews. We're the last generation of Golos. We are the generation that is going to Israel. We are the generation known as Ikvisa the Mashiach. We hear already the footsteps of Mashiach. We too have that tafkid. We too have that job, that mission. <coughs> to break the stronghold of Golas that's upon us. When a Jew looks around them and sees the darkness, the spiritual darkness, people that are doing things that are totally, totally absurd, totally out of the out of the realm of Yiddishkeit, out of the realm of normalcy, you can get confused from this. And you say to yourself, I have no strength, I have no power to overcome this. I want to light my Shabbos candles and these people don't want to light Shabbos candles. They want to light it later when they sit down to dinner. They'll light it by the table and make a bracha baruch atah. I want to light by the time. It's earlier today. It's 4.30, 4.40, whatever it is. I want to light before Shabbos and have my Shabbos candles and give my tzedakah before. And these people that I'm subjected to and living amongst are not like that. Or the fellow that wants to put on film every morning and is mocked by the people around him and say, come on, it's an old, old school. Get up with the times. Liberate yourself. 
And the message is correct. You liberate yourself, my friend. Because you're in the Mitzaram, you're in the Gvulam, you're in the boundaries, you're in the restraints of the exile. You're in this darkness, this spiritual darkness, which you don't even know. Therefore, although I think I can't conquer, the breaking of exile is not done only in natural ways, but rather in the Kayach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where Moshe Rabbeinu spoke in Lashon HaKadosh. And therefore, we obviously need to do a Dark Enayim, Dark Shalom, we need to do it in a peaceful and a, in a kind manner, But after all these words, <coughs> the sweet, sweet talking, we need to be strong and staunch in our godliness. And we need to take this kayach <coughs> from the Meshach Rabbeinu of our generation. And this way, ultimately, we go out beyond Rama, the cut of Mamish in our times. So there are people that we have influence on, the people that we can talk to, the people that we go to go with, and we have, have a good we you can go out and have a good time with them. But Taylor tells us don't go down to them. Bring them up to you. But I feel I'm one of them. I feel I'm as low as they are. I feel I'm not any better than they are. Do not consider that a hindrance. Do not consider that a stumbling block. Do not accept that as a stumbling block. Understand and know your potential. The fact that you know Aleph and Bayes and they only know Aleph, that makes you their teacher. And you have an obligation to forge ahead and to see to it that the Parai of the generation listens to spiritual Torah words. And that you yourself absorb the words in a different way, in a different vein. I don't feel this connection. I don't feel I want to daven shachas milchemaidev and that I want to sit and learn chitas and that I want to do all these things. I feel I'm just a regular plain person and I'm just happy with what I'm doing. I'm complacent. If I'll put on film every day, is good enough. Or if I'm a woman and I'm basically sneers, it's good enough. If I basically light candles, I remember if I light candles every week, it's, it's fantastic. We can't compromise. There's no such thing as compromise when it comes to Teda. And when we don't compromise, the world sees that. And the world takes that lesson. And the world says, I want to be like that. Not saying, we hear plenty though. We hear the antagonists that say, oh man, you're old fashioned, you're out of it, you're totally out of date, you're, out of it. you're not in touch at all. Blah, 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 blah. Deep down, even the antagonists know, wow, no matter what I'm saying to the person, they're not in a spell. I didn't rock their boats. I didn't, rake, I didn't hurt their cores. 
because they are rock solid. And when we have forefathers, we don't have to go to Abraham Yitzchak Yaakov. We can look at our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers. As far as back as we hear about in our histories. And we see these are people that were made say, Nefesh, Fetera, and Aveda. And I merited to be their child, grandchild, great-grandchild. I need to see to it that I up my antics, pick up my socks, bring myself to a level that I too can influence the world the way I should be influencing, the way they influenced, and the way they would want me to influence. And through that we will be and we'll all go out of this very bitter, bitter gullus that we are in, our own personal gullus, and gullus of Cloud Yisrael, to Mashiach, to Kenu, and Yerushalayim, and Shabbat Shalom to all.